The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Our series going through Matthew 5-7, this Sermon on the Mount, looking at Jesus' words that he preached firstly to his disciples and then as those travelled up the mountain to them as well. And over the last couple of weeks, we looked at what we call the Beatitudes, these kind of blessings, these characteristics of the kingdom and that those who are to be a part of the kingdom. And then this morning we turn to what I think is a bit more of a challenge, a bit more of a, uh, a challenge and an encouragement to those disciples. And so we're going to look at four verses this morning, Matthew 5, uh, 13 to 16, and we're going to spend most of our time unpacking these verses. But before we get to it, I want to read uh, these verses, and we're going to read God's Word this morning. And what we've been doing the last two weeks so far is we've been saying that this is God's Word. He is who he says he is, he has done what he says he has done, and he will do what he says he will do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's read God's word together. Matthew five thirteen to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Well, for a lot of us, we probably heard this verse before, these verses. We probably heard that we are salt of the earth, definitely heard that we are light of the world. Maybe it's a, uh, the first song you ever taught your little kids, right? This little light of mine. Yep, great. No, yeah, there we go. Love the support. Last time I'm ever singing in church. But like, well, this is a well-known verse, right? Light of the world. We've heard this a bunch of times. You've probably heard a bunch of sermons on it. It's kind of a famous passage. And so what, what else is there really to say? Like it's a simple verse, it's, it's a known verse, and most of us come to church and we want something kind of deep, something challenging, something meaty, maybe something new and fresh, not something that we know, not something that seems simple. And yet I think one of the greatest tragedies of Christianity is to know the Word of God and not live the Word of God. To know the words on these page, but not know the power of those words in our life. And so I want to be a church that not just pursues to know God's Word, but apply God's Word, to live God's Word. I want to have a faith that is not just intellectual, but is hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And so as we come to this text, maybe it might be a verse that we know. But my prayer is that it would be a verse that we live out, that we let influence us, affect our hearts, not just our heads, that we might actually be salt and light in this world. Because we don't want to be a church that just hears it, just knows it, and doesn't apply it. Because Jesus, at the end of this sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, he says this, 726, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. We don't want to be foolish men. I love how he uses men there. It's great. And so my prayer this morning is that this will be us. So would you pray with me to that end as we get into it? Lord, thank you for your word. God, it is alive and active, that it pierces our hearts. And God, this morning I pray that we would not only hear you speak to us through your word, but you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit apply these truths to our lives, to understand what they mean for us, that we might live in such a way that brings glory to you as salt and light in this world. 
Lord, I pray that as I speak, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, that we'd open our hearts and ears to hear you and you alone. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when, when we come to these kind of metaphors in the Bible, I think it's important that we don't overstretch them, right? Sometimes we can get to these metaphors and we can just pluck a whole bunch of application out of nowhere. Uh, when, so we read about salt and light, sometimes we can do this. So for instance, I've just started to go to this thing called a float tank. Has anyone been to a float tank before? We just kind of, it's just this giant tank filled with water and a bunch of salt. And the idea is there's just so much salt in it that it just keeps you floating and you just kind of relax and you do nothing for like an hour, which for some of us, that's torture, not relaxation. But it's this idea that you, it's just so much salt in there that you can't sink. And then when I read, oh, we're the salt of the earth, I don't think Jesus is saying to us, we are to be like a float tank. We are to go around floating all the time, helping people relax and make sure their muscles aren't tight. That's not what this verse is saying. So context is key because this passage was written about 2,000 years ago. So it's important to know, okay, what was salt used for? What was light used for back in Jesus' time? And just like Jesus' time, there was, and just like our time, there was a bunch of uses. So for instance, for us, there is so many uses that uh, we use salt for. I don't know if you know a bunch of these. It was used to make uh, soap, which is a weird one. Salt's used to make soap. Salt is uh, needed in our bodies to keep us alive. If we don't have enough salt, we will die. And probably the main use for salt for us is to make things taste better, right? Salt is nearly on every table and restaurant right beside its best friend, Pepper, who gets neglected most of the time. But we use salt on every, I put salt on every single thing. My wife says, you don't need that much salt. And I say, yes, I do, because I know I do. Who here puts salt on your food before you've even tasted it? Yeah, exactly, because we know salt makes things taste better. And so this is, this is one of the uses for us. This is the primary use that for us in, in this Western world that we use salt for. But just like that, there was many uses for salt in Jesus' time. And one of the primary uses was it was used to preserve things, to preserve meat. See, they didn't have fridges or freezers back in Jesus' time. So what they used to do is they used to get meat and just pack it with salt. And they would pack it with salt because it was meant to preserve the meat, to stop the decay and the deterioration of that meat. And that's what Jesus is saying we are to be like as Christians in this world. We are to push back the decay and the deterioration of the world. To be this thing that hinders the downfall of society, of morality. We are to be Christians that are set apart, that are holy and blameless. And as we live as salt in this world, we push back that decay. As we read salt and light, we can't help but think we are to be this salt, we are to be light because we're in a world that is dark and decaying. We're in a world that needs light. We're in a world that needs salt. We are to be Christians that are in the world, but not of the world. We are to be Christians that are stand up for what is right, to fight back the decay of the world by pursuing holiness and righteousness by living out the Beatitudes, being peacemakers and showing mercy to those around us, by loving our neighbours. This is how we are called as Christians to be salt in this world, to live in a way that influences those around us for good and for God. As Christians, we are to preserve this world, to help fight the decay, the downfall that sin is bringing in. We are to push back to hinder that decay by living lives Sold out for Jesus, marked by the gospel. We're not called to blend into this world, we're called to stand out. 
And another way that salt was used, like us today, it was used to flavor, to make things better. So as Christians, Jesus is calling us to be an influence for good in this world. One of the ways we push back decay and darkness is to be like Christ, to pursue His goodness and His holiness in this world. We are to flavor things for the better. We are to influence things for the better. As we go into our workplaces, into our schools, when we come here to church, when we go into our family situations, do we make things better or do we make things worse? As Christians, are we living as salt in this world? Do we flavor things for good and for Christ? Do we live in such a way that our influence is more towards holiness and righteousness or is it more towards earthly pleasures and desires? Do we stand up and stand out for Jesus? We need to be Christians, not just individually, but corporately, that influence every situation, circumstance that we go into for good. Here at LCC, North Lakes, I wonder if we were taken out of North Lakes, would North Lakes notice? As a church, if, if, if LCC North Lakes was taken out of North Lakes, would it be good or bad or would nobody notice at all? Individually, if you were taken out of your workplace, would anybody notice? Apart from obviously your job not getting done, would that place be worse off or just the same? If you left your neighborhood, would anybody notice? Are we people who live as salt of the earth, in that we, when we step into a situation, our presence is influencing for good and for God. That our holiness, our righteousness overflows in that situation. And when we are absent from those positions and circumstances, is our absence felt? That's how we are to live as salt in this world, to push back the decay. People around us look at us sometimes as, as strange because we're different as Christians, but we need to be different. We're called to be different because our difference is that's what makes us stand out. We don't live for what the world lives for. We live for Christ and his glory in all things. And that's a good thing. That is a great thing because the world needs to see us as different in order to know that there is something different out there that we might show them a better way, lead them down the path of goodness towards Christ. And I think the third thing as Christians and what it means to be salt in the earth is that we create a thirst. Just as salt, you have too much salt, you get thirsty. As Christians, we are to create a thirst, a thirst for the gospel, a thirst for righteousness, a thirst to know why we are how we are, why we do what we do. We look at 1 Peter 3.15. It talks about the fact that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. But nobody is asking for an answer if we don't live lives worthy of the question. Like when's the last time somebody actually asked you the question, why do you do that? Why do you live like that? Why don't you join in with those people? Why don't you speak like that? Why do you talk like that? Why are you so kind to them? Why in the face of suffering are you still so joyful? When's the last time somebody asked you about the hope that is within you? When's the last time somebody asked you any question where the answer was Jesus? Do we live lives like this that invite questioning where we might step in and go, yeah, it's because of Jesus. Here's my hope. Here's the hope of glory. 
Because that is what we're meant to be like as salt in this earth. As we push back the decay, we hinder the deterioration of society, of morality. We stand up for what is right. We flavor the world for good and for better. Every situation we walk into, we, we bring the presence of God with us. As Christians filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the living God, in every situation, we should be a good influence, right? Do we create thirst in those around us? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Just by living our lives sold out for Jesus. Surrendered to Jesus and His way. Because when we live like this, people ask questions. And we can point them to Jesus. We stand out and we can point them to Jesus. But if we don't live lives like this, then we just blend in. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about that when he says, if salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be restored? He said, it's no longer good for anything. It's to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. As Christians, we are to be salt to the earth in the fact that we cannot get caught up in the affairs of the world. We can't get pulled in by the allures of temporary pleasure and satisfaction because the world actually needs us to stand out. It needs us to be in the world, but not of the world. See, as we read this passage, it says that we are salt and we are light. It says we are those things. It doesn't say you are to be those things. It doesn't say try and become those things. It doesn't say pursue salt and light. It says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What Jesus is saying is you're it. It's you. Like that, the world has you and you alone. He knows he is about to go. And all that is left are his disciples, his followers here on earth to be salt and light. So if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And the world needs you. Which is funny because as we read the end of the Beatitudes, it goes like this. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evils against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are salt of the earth. Like that's how the passage flows. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be insulted and falsely accused. Great, you are salt of the earth. Don't give in, don't compromise, don't hide. Continue to be salt and light in this world because the world needs you desperately to be salt and light. It's so ironic because the same world that persecutes us and insults us is the same world that desperately needs us to continue doing what we're doing. And so I want to encourage this morning, continue to be salt. Continue to be light. Continue to stand up for what is right. Continue to love those around you. Continue to pray for your enemies. Because the world desperately needs us not to lose our saltiness, but to continue pursuing holiness and righteousness by living out these beatitudes, by being people who stand up for what is right, to influence the world for good and for God, that push back the decay and shine a bright light into the darkness. Because I don't think we can blame the world for the deterioration. One of my um, favorite kind of theologians and pastors and writers, he spoke on this topic and he wrote this. He said, if the house is dark when nightfall comes, there's no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where are the lights? 
Similarly, if the meat goes bad when there is no sense of blaming the meat, that's what happens when it's left alone. The question to ask is, where is the salt? Just so, if society is deteriorating and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society. That is what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves. The question to ask is where is the church? Where are we in a world that is deteriorating, in the world that is getting darker and darker, when decay is all around us, when sin is coming in every angle? Where is the church? Where is the salt of the earth? Where is the light of the world? Because it needs us. We are God's plan here on earth to bring about redemption and reconciliation, that God might work through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to just sit on the sidelines. We can't afford to just punch our ticket for heaven and that's it. We need to live holy lives, righteous lives, pursuing Christ, loving our neighbours, living lives that are set apart for Christ. Philippians 2.14 says this, We are to do all things without grumbling or disputing, that we might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That's how we're meant to be. Blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And then he goes on to say, among whom you shine the lights in the world. Christians, we are called to be different to the world, to be in the world, but not of the world, to not give in to our desires, our fleshly desires, not chase after what the world chases after, but chase after Christ and become lights in this world. Which leads us to Jesus' second metaphor, that we are light of the world. And maybe if you heard that we are salt of the earth, it's kind of the first time this is brought up in the Bible and you, you might not have known or heard that before. But if you heard that we are light of the world, for a moment, if you've been in church, you would be like, hang on, isn't that a title that Jesus took? Like, didn't Jesus say, I am the light of the world? John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if Jesus in one of his great I am statements has claimed this title, how too can we be light of the world? How can we be light of the world? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Because I think Ephesians 8 gives us an insight into this. Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I love this passage for a few reasons, because it says we were once darkness. I doesn't say we were in darkness. It says you and I were once darkness. Like we were dead in our sins. We were enemies of God, children of wrath. But now we are light in the Lord. Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he stepped into our darkness and he brought light, the true light of the world. And now he calls us to be light in him. Christians, we are light of the world because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, the true light of the world. And so we are to reflect that light to a generation that is in darkness and decay. Just like the moon is not a light of its own, it reflects the light of the sun. You and I are to reflect the light of Jesus into this dark generation into this world that doesn't know left from right, up from down. We have to shine a light to people who are lost in darkness, trying to find a way out. That's what it means for you and I to be light of the world. 
to shine bright with the goodness and grace of Jesus. He goes on to say, as this light, we are to be a city on a hill. He's saying, on a, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all of the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to be a city on a hill. See, when Jesus was preaching this, uh, this sermon up on the mountain, he would have looked around. There would have been many cities on the sides of hills and mountaintops. And that was the way they kind of built cities back then. It was a good way for protection. They could see people coming, but also people could see them. In the same way, we are to be cities set up on a hill. A city that is illuminated with the light of Christ, that even in the darkest night, somebody can see it. Even from the furthest possible way, they can see this light. We are to be like that. Church, we are to be a city on a hill that is a beacon of hope in a dark world that shines the bright light of Christ. We are to be like a lighthouse of people stuck in the storm of life. As we reflect Christ's light and His love into this world. So back in those days, there was no artificial lights. What they used to do is they would light these little like oil lamps and they would set them high up in the house because that was where it was going to give the most light. Like no one would do that and then put it under a basket. And yet some of us, even some of us in here are living that way. Are we a city on a hill or are we a light under a basket? Do you feel like you're a city on a hill? like a beacon of hope and light to a world that is in darkness? Do you feel like you're shining Christ into the midst of this decaying world? Or do you feel that sometimes maybe you're just a light under a basket? Like I think it's important that we ask ourselves that. Because again, this world needs us to be light. It needs us to be the light of the world, to point them, to show them back to Jesus, to illuminate their paths that they might find life in Christ. You and I, we cannot afford to be a light under a basket. Because some of us, like I said, we're happy. We've got our ticket to heaven. And now we're just going to sit on the sideline. We're just going to wait, cruise it out, blend in. And Jesus is saying, no. No, I need you to be light of the world. Because that is what you are. See, some of us in here, well, all of us in here are lights in the world. We're light of the world. Just some of us are hiding under a basket. Some of us are shining brighter than others, not because of the light, but because that we're hiding. We've been given the greatest gift there ever is, salvation in Christ, Christ himself. We have been given that, and yet sometimes we're too shy to even tell our friends about it. Like I think a good question to ask is whether we're shining is, do those around you who are closest to you know you're a Christian? Like none of you preach the gospel to them. Do they know you're a Christian? Like, do your colleagues know you're a Christian? Do your neighbors know you're a Christian, like either side of you? Do, do those people know that you're a Christian? And if they found out you're a Christian, would they be surprised by the way you live? Or would they go, yeah, that makes sense? And those that know you're a Christian, do they look at your life and go, yeah, I want that too? Are we shining bright, the light of Christ into this world, to those around us? that we might lead them, illuminate the path. Hey, go there, there's a better way. There is a greater way. His name is Jesus. Follow him. Because that's what Christ is calling us to do. Because I'm convinced more than ever that this world needs Christians 
who stand up for what is right, with gentleness and grace, who preach the gospel unashamedly, who love one another, who pray for our enemies, who in the face of persecution rejoice. Because we know that this is not the end for us. We know this is not our home. We are to continue to live this way, to shine this light into a dark and decaying world because it needs us. Because Jesus says we're to do this so that they might see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. We know as Christians we're not saved by our good deeds. Well, hopefully we know that we're not saved by our good deeds. We don't even stay saved by our good deeds. Our good deeds don't even prove that we're saved. We are saved by grace and grace alone. Through faith in Jesus Christ. That is how we're saved. And because we are saved by grace and grace alone, we do good deeds. We love those around us because what Christ has done for us, He first loved us so we can love others. That is how we shine light. That is how we are salt because Christ has first come into our lives. He has taken us from death to life, from darkness to light. And so now we live in such a way that those would look at us and give glory to our Father. We are to live as salt and light in this world so people would know that they have a heavenly Father who loves them, who cares for them, who desires that they would be with Him, know Him, and know his love for them. That's why we need to stand out. That's why we need to fight back against the darkness and decay. That's why we need to shine bright the love of Christ, that people might see Jesus. We are to be salt and light in this world that those around us might be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. We are to be salt and light in this world that people would taste and see that the Lord is good. We know that Jesus is good. That's why we're here this morning, to sing of his goodness and grace for us. But there are billions and billions of people who do not know that the Lord is good, that God loves them, that he's died for them on the cross. And so we need to continue to be salt and light in this world. They might be able to taste and see that Jesus is the greatest thing this world has ever seen. That once you meet Jesus, you will never be the same again. So if you're a Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you, continue shining the light of Christ wherever you are. Can you being salt of the earth, standing up for what is right, influencing the world for good and for God, pushing back the decay, desiring to live holy and righteous lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and shining bright the love of Jesus into this world. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian this morning. I'm not saying in any way that if you want to be a Christian, you need to be more salty or more lighty. That's not what I'm saying at all, because lighty is not a word. But what I am saying is there is somebody who knows your darkness, who knows your sin, who knows what you've done, and loves you, and loves you, like deeply loves you, and desires for you to know him too. His name is Jesus. He wants to shine a light into your heart. And what I mean by that, He wants to enter into your presence that you might know Him and have a relationship with Him. You might know that you are seen, like fully seen and fully loved. That you might know what freedom truly is. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the true light of the world, 
Turn to him, talk to him. Ask him to shine a light, to reveal himself to you. Find one of your neighbours who are Christians. Ask them about him. Ask them about the hope that is within them. The reason they are how they are, why they do what they do. And maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you want to be more salty and more lighty, but you feel that you've done some things. Like you don't feel like you could be salt of the You don't definitely don't feel like you'd be light of the world because of what you've done. Because people around you actually, they know what you've done. And you just feel like a hypocrite. I want to remind you, it's not your light that you're shining. It's Jesus. It's the light of Christ. And as you walk out as a new creation in Christ, that all the more shines the bright light of Christ. That people might look at your life and go, nah, I know what you used to do. And you go, yeah, exactly. And this is what I'm like now because of Jesus. This is what I love now because of Jesus. This is what I desire to be and do now because of Jesus. You should meet him too. He is amazing. Don't feel discouraged because of your sin because Jesus has taken that away. And now by the power of your testimony, we'll continue to push back the darkness. Continue to shine the bright light of Jesus' forgiveness and grace into this world. And if you're wondering how can I continue to grow as salt and light, even though we are salt and light, I think one of the greatest things we can do is spend time with the true light of the world. Spend time with Jesus in his word. Psalm 119 says, the word is his lamp unto our feet. As we continue to let this lamp shine in us, we won't be able to help but allow it to shine out of us. As we spend time in God's word, as we know more of who the light of the world is, that will help us shine more brightly Jesus to this dark and decaying world. Spend time with Jesus. Pray to him. Read his word. Allow him to continue to sanctify you. Confess sin to one another. I think one of the greatest things we can do as Christians to be salt and light is to forgive. Is to forgive. The world says you're going to get what you deserve. But as Christians, we know that didn't happen. Thank goodness. And so now we are freed because we have forgiven to forgive those around us. How good are we going with that? Do we easily forgive or do we hold grudges? Maybe there's somebody at work that's annoying you. Do you easily forgive them or do you hate going into work and then when you're there, you're grumpy as, salty but not in the good way? Or can you shine the light of Christ into that situation? Apologize and forgive. How are you going with that in your families? When your kids muck up, my kid doesn't muck up. It's because he's six weeks old. When your children are naughty, if we're allowed to use that word, do we respond in anger or do we show Christ to them? Is there a way that we walk in forgiveness and grace? I see Kyle, I'm looking at his kids. <laughs> That's funny. But as we read this text, and I'm going to finish with this, as we walk as salt and light in this world, we aren't to do this on our own. We are to do this as a body, as a city on a hill. Not an individual on a hill, a city on a hill. Because one grain of salt is not going to preserve anything. It's not going to make anything taste better. It's not going to create thirst. 
We need millions and millions of pieces of salt scattered around the world to be salt of the earth, to preserve, to push back the decay and deterioration of the world, to flavor the world for good and for God and to create a thirst for righteousness, a thirst for the gospel, a thirst for Jesus. We need to do this together because we are all salt of the earth. And in the same way, we are all light of the world. One little light, it can light up a little bit, but millions and millions of little lights of the world around the world become this great beacon of hope. This light that shines into a dark generation, a dark world, and says there is a better way. And his name is Jesus. And so church, I want to encourage you, start to think, how can we be who we are in Christ as salt and light in this world? How can we live in such a way that others look at our lives and give glory to our Heavenly Father? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.